0: With honor, you will keep your fame down the field and gain a Lion victory. Go Lions. Let's fucking go. Let's fucking go, Minnesota. Ow, you like that? You like that, Kirk? You're my guy. You like that? You guys just got fucking pumped for four quarters by the Detroit Lions. This isn't Green Bay. That wasn't Aaron Rodgers and the prime Packers making those NFC championship runs. You guys got fucking drilled for four quarters of 15 minutes each by the Detroit Lions. Let that sink in one time. I know, Minnesota, you're having a great year. I understand that loss, Oh, It only puts you all the way back to 10-3. and 3. I know you're going to win the division anyway. I know you're going to make the playoffs. I know you have bigger fish to fry than the Detroit Lions, but you just got fucking emasculated, dude, beaten in every phase of a football player's football game by the Detroit Lions, by a team who has, has notoriously lived in the basement of the NFC North, a team who has notoriously and permanently been the butt of jokes from coast to coast in this country and around this league. You just got fucking shoved by Dan Campbell, Jared Goff, and the Detroit Lions. It was a thing of fucking beauty what ensued at Ford Field this past Sunday, I'll tell you what, and soak it in. Before we get into anything, before we talk about the game, before we talk about what we got next week with the Jets, or what our potential odds of making the playoffs are, or how we should be, any of that shit. We'll get to it. Before that, though, I need every single person listening right now to just take a deep breath. Close your eyes. I don't care if you're at work. If you're in the car, I'd prefer you pulled over and close your eyes. If you're going to drive here, you got somewhere you need to be. Don't do this. Do not close your eyes. Just use your imagination. Eyes on the road. Eyes on the road. You're still engaged driving. You're not going to hit anything, but I need you to imagine or not even imagine. Just focus on the fact that the Lions right now are the hottest they've been in seven years. The feeling not only within the team and the coaches and all that shit, but within the fan base around the city of Detroit. I live in California, dude. I can feel it over 2000 miles away. I can fucking touch it. I can grab it, I can go get my kitchen scissors over there and cut it, the excitement around the Detroit Lions right now. There has not been a Detroit Lions football team or a season with this much energy around them in seven years. The last time the Lions felt like this, I was 18 years old, I was a senior in high school. I fucking graduated college. I've been out for a few years. I've moved away from Michigan, and I've lived here a year already. It's been that long. I barely had facial hair the last time the Lions even sniffed this level of excitement. And the craziest fucking thing is, I said it last week, coming into this game and talking about what happens. A, the excitement surrounding this Vikings game. But B, if we win this game, God forbid what's going to happen. I talked about it last week. The crazy fucking thing, we're 6-7. That win against Minnesota, as big as it was, and make no mistake, that was a big fucking win. Six and seven or not, that was a big fucking win. Playoff bound or not, a big fucking win for everything about the Detroit Lions. The team, the staff, the front office, the franchise, the fans, everything around the Lions. That was a big fucking win. And on December 13th, 2022, I don't give a shit what happens moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I do. But as I make this statement today, this statement's got nothing to do with whatever's coming our way. This statement has nothing to do with where the season ends or what we end up living up to be. Nothing to do with any of that. I'd like to make the playoffs. I'd fucking love to win a playoff game. Absolutely. This season and that game being as important as it was, is completely isolated from whatever goes on down the road. That's how big that game was. We needed that game. Dan Campbell and the staff, they needed that game. Players, they needed that game. Fans, God knows we needed that game. But most of all, the franchise needed that game just for once. For once to get over that hill. And it's not the hill that's going to put us in the driver's seat of the NFC North. It's not the hill that's going to lead to us hosting a playoff game. It's not even necessarily, at this point, the hill that's going to lead to us making a playoff appearance. It might. If we keep it up, it might. I hope. I think there's a chance. I know there's a chance. And I think these guys might be capable. Those other hills, they'll come later. They'll be a hill one day where we got to win a fucking game. We got to climb Everest to host one in Detroit. That hill, we'll, we'll get there. Soon enough, we will. But this hill, NFC North leading Vikings, they're 10-2. and 10-2. We have already beaten the Giants. We've beaten a couple teams in playoff spots. These guys are 10-2. Beating the Packers was a little bit of a hill. Beating the Giants was a hill. The Bills would have been a great hill to climb. Couldn't quite get there. Gave them a hell of a ride. A 10-2 Minnesota team in the driver's seat in the division. A team who, you know, I'd be surprised, as hot as the Lions were coming in, I'd be real surprised if Justin Jefferson and Kirk were like, fuck, we got the Lions this week. I'd be real surprised if the people in Minnesota were super nervous about playing the Lions. I would be, plain and simple. And that's not me being a downer. That's just the facts. You think Justin Jefferson was like, oh, shit, these guys are hot. Those guys know beating the Lions. Those guys know us being a fucking nuisance at the worst. You know what I mean? We're the Chihuahua tugging at the pant leg when it's your 10 and 2 Minnesota Viking football team. They don't think about us. They're not worried about the Lions. We're the fucking Lions, and I can't blame them. But for the first time in the Super Bowl era, I read I think this is true a 10 and 2 team was an underdog against a 5 and 7 team. They came to our place. The Lions surging. And before the Minnesota game, probably the most excitement around the team since 2015 still. We're surging. We gave the Bills a hell of a run. We've beaten a pretty good Giants team. We've given some other good teams a hell of a run. Eagles, Minnesota, playing the best football we've played in the Dan Campbell era. And they come to our place as underdogs. That's a game. That's a setup now. Now, I mean to get to the point where a 10 and 2 Vikings team are underdogs against a 5 and 7 Lions team that alone is unprecedented. Forget the fucking game, forget the result or however the game goes. The fact that that was ever the case, Minnesota was the dog, that alone has never fucking happened. I don't I don't think it's happened to anybody in the Super Bowl era. God forbid that happens to the Detroit Lions. Are you crazy? Of course that's never happened to us. And these fucking guys got it done. That, that was the hill. I mean, you could say it was a bit of a hill to be playing well enough to be favored in that game, but winning that game is a hill. And like I said, it may not have any repercussions such as us making the playoffs, but just the fact of validation for everybody involved, like, yes, we can do this. We do belong. Because look, it's easy to poo-poo wins or downplay them when you smoke the Jags. You beat the Bears. You beat the Packers, right? It's not like, oh, shit, the Lions beat who? You know, those aren't great teams. No one's going to really bat an eye or cause a commotion about it. You beat a 10-2 and team. You're favored against a 10-2 and team, and then you go out and beat them, and we didn't just beat them. We handled Minnesota. We fucking dominated that game. We did. And there were multiple times again towards the end, very similar to the Jags game, very similar to the Giants game a couple weeks ago, similar to that Bills game on Thanksgiving, which we let that one slip. There were opportunities, there were moments, and points in the game. In that second half into the fourth quarter where the Lions had the lead, we were playing well all day. The offense was humming along. Jared Goff was fucking incredible again. The run game's working. Our offensive line is just having their way. Defensively, Delvin Cook, nobody heard that guy's name outside of the fumble at the five-yard line. Kirk Cousins, he played pretty well. Jetta played pretty well. That's to be expected. They're one of the premier connections in the NFL. Shit happens. But we still got after Kirk Cousins. The defense still made plays. We still got off the field in a couple critical moments. We still forced a couple field goals in some critical moments. We still forced Minnesota, even towards the end when they scored, forced them to chew up some clock and take their sweet time and burn timeouts where, you know, ideally they never score. But it's like, hey, if they're going to score, make them use their timeouts. Make them take up some clock. Like, fucking make it a little painstaking for the Vikings. And there were moments at the end That last drive, or yeah, the Lions are winning. Yeah, if you looked at the ESPN probability tracker or whatever that is they use, who's going to win this game? Yeah, it's in the Lions' favor pretty much all of the second half. And by the end of that fourth quarter, probably getting to be a little bit lopsided in the Lions' favor. But it felt like a Lions game we've all seen before, doesn't it? Didn't it? It felt like a Lions game we've seen before against the same opponent in the same season. A game where we played well. We played so well. I'd argue up until the fourth quarter. We were the better team, certainly. I'd argue you could even say we borderline dominated. And then you get to the fourth quarter, and you've heard all day how loud Ford Field is. You've read all week. You've listened how much this one means to people how badly everybody wants it fans players coaches alike and then the fourth quarter comes around and look it's in our dna at this point there's not one lions fan in the world who didn't tighten up a little bit when it saw number four popped up on the scoreboard not one i'm an optimistic guy you guys know me i fucking fly the flag against the sol people And look, in the immediate aftermath of games where it is SOL, that Bills game, the first Vikings game, I get it. I understand. We're humans. People are emotional. That's why we love football. But even as someone who prides themselves on especially being optimistic when it comes to the Lions, that fourth quarter rolled around and I was looking around going, all right, guys, like – Come on, guys. Come on, dude. I don't want to say it out loud. I don't want to jinx anything. I don't want to put the bad juju into the air because it is positive vibes only. But I'm looking around going, please, please not this time. Please not this time. We know we're right there, guys. We're right there. We've played three. We know we're better than them. We know our defense is better than their defense. We know our offense is better than their offense. Dan Campbell's been a better coach today than Kevin O'Connell. We know we have this. Ford Field has never been this loud outside of maybe this Thanksgiving game two weeks prior. I don't know the last time the Lions have been this healthy. Jeff Okuda came in and out, but we had Okuda in there to start. Malcolm Rodriguez, the defensive lines getting people back. Our offensive line's pretty juiced. Like – DeAndre Swift is getting better as the weeks go by. DJ Chark was in there. Jamison Williams is making plays. We This is this is the one you win. Right? You dropped this one earlier in the year, and it sucked, but it was early, and people said, all right, they'll learn, they'll learn. And then we had Buffalo in a key spot on Thanksgiving. National TV, the one time the world's going to see you play. And you were in there, and you hung, and you battled. And then the Lions happened at the end. Now, Credit to Josh Allen. Credit to Stefan Diggs. Talk about Premier Connections. Those guys are insane. Those guys are freaks. Josh Allen is a fucking superhuman. I don't get – I don't know what that guy's arm feels like. I swear to God. like He either is the most freakishly muscular and just like naturally loose right arm in the world or that dude's elbow wakes him up at 4 a.m. every day. I don't understand how he makes some of the throws he does. Sometimes you're going to play great guys. And they're going to beat you. That's what happened against the Bills. But you know, could have been avoided. There were plays to be made down the stretch. The DeAndre Swift play in the end zone comes to mind. The DJ Chark, third and one, comes to mind. There were plays to be made. Field goals that we missed. And the Lions lost the game. This Sunday against Minnesota when that fourth quarter rolled around and it was 21-13 Detroit Lions and the place is rocking and we all know, dude, we've seen the movie before. Everybody has. We all know what we're capable of in the worst way. And we've spent the whole week talking ourselves into how this one's going to be different, at least personally. You listen to the podcast from last week. All I'm talking about is how I don't know why. I understand what happened with the Bills, but this Sunday against the Vikings is the one we get. This is the time we rise up and finally, finally get it done and climb that hill. And even still, as much as I felt that way, and as great as the first three quarters had gone, as great as Jared Goff was playing, Ben Johnson calling a great game, Aaron Glenn calling a great game, Aiden Hutchinson hitting Kirk Cousins seemingly every play, Dan Campbell with a ballsy, ballsy fake punt that worked. Jamison Williams getting plugged in and scoring. As much as all day it had seemed like, fuck, th- this, one, this one's going our way right now. We're the better team. We should win this game. As much as it felt that way, the fourth quarter came, and you remember who we're watching. You remember you're a Detroit Lions fan, and you remember the way it's been since 1997 in my case. And they fucking did it. And they did it in the best way possible. They didn't do it by parking the bus, and you know what? Kirk Cousins just didn't have enough that day. No. They did it by fucking taking it. They did it by looking at each other, starting that fourth quarter on the sidelines, in the headset, Dan Campbell, Ben Johnson, Aaron Glenn, and going, I don't give a fuck what the score is. I don't care what the time left is. We are going to call offense, and we are going to call defense, like it is 0-0, plain and simple. That's exactly what they did, and they fucking won the game. They won the fourth quarter and they won the game. That's what I love. We were in a spot where the Lions could have said, all right, we got fucking play not to lose. Let's get conservative, guys. Little cover four, fucking run the ball twice, throw a short pass and punt it away offensively, and let's see if we can run this down to zeros. They didn't do that. They won the fourth quarter. Outscored them 13 to 10. That is how you close football games. I've said it as long as I can remember having conversations with anybody about sports and especially the game of football. You don't close out games against good teams. You don't even do it against bad teams by sitting back and hoping yeah, they're just not good enough today. No, you close them out by saying we've been better than you all fucking day. So we're going to do it for 15 more minutes and make sure you leave here with a loss. And wouldn't you know it, it fucking worked. They won the goddamn game. They beat the 10-2 and 2 Minnesota Vikings by 11 points. I think we were favored by one and a half. We beat these guys by 11 in front of one of the most crowded Ford Fields a stadium's ever seen. When the eyes of the nation, as far as the Trey Lions fans were upon you. Like I said, I don't remember the last time anybody's been this excited for a game, and it's going to be the same shit this week against the Jets. Everybody who's ever remotely cared about the lines will be watching again against the Jets someday. And these guys did it, dude. They did it creatively. Ben Johnson in his fucking bag. Jump man, jump man, jump man. Ben Johnson up to something. That kind of worked. A little too one too many syllables, but you get what I was going for. Dude's a wizard. Penny Sewell motioning and then in the flat making an acrobatic catch to seal these guys. Are you fucking kidding me, man? And then. 20 seconds left, pretty good field positioning if you miss miss it. Dan Campbell goes, hey, Mike, get your ass out there. You're going to make the fucking kick. And Badgley nails it to put the final nail in the coffin. Come on. Come on. Name me one time the Detroit Lions have done any shit like that. The only time we win games like that or beat good teams at the end is when Matthew Stafford was pulling shit out of his ass every single night. And even then, his record was 5-100 or whatever it was against teams over 500. We won that game, and we closed it out because we were better than them, and the coaches knew it and fucking acted like it. There was no reason for our offense to get remotely conservative in the fourth quarter the way it was going. Jared Goff was incredible. The offensive line was great. Our wide receivers were great. 330 yards and three touchdowns for Goff. Are you kidding? No reason to get conservative. DJ Chark, welcome to Detroit. He played his biggest game as a line. Amon Ra being Amon Ra, another night of him just clutch third down conversion after clutch third down conversion. J-Mo, one catch, but it was a big one. And we stuck to it. And it's poetic, dude, full circle that the game or the play that really got us into position to to end it was this regime's first first round draft pick in Pene Sewell. Not because he laid some dude out, not because he chipped and then got up to the second level and sprung the Andre Swift. This dude goes in fucking motion. The reason they were so high on him, he's a big boy who's nasty. And oh, by the way, he's a freak athlete. Yeah, at the time they were saying that's going to translate to pulling and blocking downfield and whatever the case is. They probably weren't thinking this is going to come in handy that one time Ben Johnson puts him in motion and throws it to him in the flat. And how perfect that that's what it came to. Our big, nasty, mean, but athletic as fuck. Former first-round draft pick, right tackle, going in motion and make it the throws a bit behind him. He adjusts, catches it, stays on his feet long enough to get the first down and then gets down and bounce. And then with a little fucking venom for the Vikings afterwards, it's perfect. It's perfect. And that's why I'm so high. Because, like I mentioned with those Stafford years, dude, we're winning a lot of those games at the very end. It's just Matthew Stafford and Calvin Johnson being better than everybody. Them doing what Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs did to us, where it's like, fuck, we're winning, but... Is this sustainable? Well, we did the Minnesota. That is sustainable. That works against a lot of fucking teams. Minnesota, what, top five at worst in the NFL right now? We dominated those guys. We bullied them the whole game on both sides. Credit to Kirk. I know we had a big day, 425 and two. I swear to God, we hit Kirk Cousins 20 times. I swear we sacked him a few. I swear that dude was just taking shots to deliver some of those footballs. I swear. We rushed the passer. Delvin Cook didn't do anything. 15 carries, 23 yards, and a fumble. A critical, critical fumble before the half. Yeah, we missed the kick. They didn't score, though. Momentum. Our defensive line. Our linebackers. Kirby Joseph, the rookie, scooping it up. Johnny on the spot. offensively Jared Goff can't do anything. If he doesn't have time do that all day and he's had all day. The offensive line has been great for like 80% of the season outside of the Cowboy and the Patriots game. He's been, they've been great up front. It it like makes me melancholy. (laughs) I started this off so pumped and just let's go. And now that I'm talking about it and it's come to fruition, that the Detroit Lions, not only are we winning games and beating good teams, but we're winning games the way that we do. We're winning games by being better at the most important position groups. Dude, it, it fucking warms my heart. Like, I'm going to sleep well tonight just thinking about, we run the ball. We stopped the run. Jared Goff's been incredible. Our wide receivers are great. Like, it, ah, it's perfect. And, yeah, it sucks because, like, how, one and six. What happened? Don't, you can't tell me Aubrey Pleasant was that big of a difference maker on our defense. He goes, all of a sudden, we're kind of tough to score on. All of a sudden, we get after the QB. All of a sudden, the secondary, hey, they're not fucking Revis Island by any means, but they get it done. They make plays. Unbelievable win, man unbelievable win and the best part is I saw some videos on Twitter of older people 40s or 50s 60s at the game or watching at home whatever it is and their kids or their grandkids taping them watching the, them w- taping them watching the Lions win that game a game that they know their lives have proven to them the Lions don't win games like that and they're watching the Lions actually fucking do it in real time and you can see, it's like I'm feeling right now. They're not going crazy and running around the yard. They're sitting there like, is this guy about to cry? Because you know he's thinking, wow. <laughs> it's fucking really coming together. Wow. This is real. This team is real. What they're doing now is real. We're not the Bills. We're not the Chiefs. We're not the Eagles. Outside of those three teams, give me anybody. Give me Give me Miami again. I don't give a fuck. Give me Minnesota again. We'll go to their place. I know the Jets are pretty good. They're a feisty group. Dude, I'm not worried. Let's give me the Jets. Let's see what they're about. I know what we're about. Let's fucking see it. Let's play New York. Let's play Green Bay again at Lambeau. Let's do it, dude. I'm excited to do it. It's a great feeling. It's a great time to be a Lions fan. And and bringing me back to my initial thing. Enjoy this right now. Just take a minute, and and think about everything I've said. Like, this isn't the common occurrence for us, and that's the crazy part. I know we're six and seven. I know you know the goal is let's make the playoffs here. Let's make this thing mean something. But look, whether or not all that shit comes to fruition, this is a special moment, as far as Lions fans are concerned. We haven't felt like this. We haven't had a reason to feel like this in a long-ass time. So enjoy it because sports, rooting for your teams, your teams finding success, it's about enjoying those rides. Michigan State fans, we saw it firsthand this year. Fucking, I hope you had fun in 2021 because this year sucked. Lions fans, who knows what's going to happen. I hope you've been enjoying the last couple weeks because it's doesn't happen all the time to us. Doesn't really happen at all historically to us, but you know, it's happening right now. And that's all that you can possibly ask for. God damn it, dude. I fucking love this team. I'm, I'm so jacked up on the way that game ended, the way we stayed aggressive. It's like my prayers were answered. God, I hate parking the bus quick break. I'm thinking, do we dive into this game more? Do we talk about the jets a little bit? Let's dive into this game more. I I, I got to elaborate on Jared Goff a little bit. I got to talk about our front four. Aiden Hutchinson, dude. This guy is something else. Jamison Williams, DJ Chark. Let's dive into this game. We'll do another pod this week, probably come out Thursday, and we'll talk about the Jets and where we're at. And that pod, <clears throat> we'll probably sprinkle in maybe some Red Wings talk. Cade, they just announced the Pistons did. Done for the year. Season-ending surgery on his shin. Obviously, pretty important. Fucking Pistons. God damn it. Um, we'll talk about that Thursday. For now, let's just enjoy it. Let's just talk about what we what we witness Sunday. A moment in fucking time. Quick break. We'll be right back. I think we have to start with Jared Goff. If you ask me, why did we win that game? What's the number one reason? And I know there's a lot that goes into it, obviously. But if you told me, look, man, you'll never be able to eat another goldfish again. Unless you answer the goddamn question. You got a heat lamp in my face. I'm dehydrated. I'm wearing the same clothes I've been wearing since last week. (laughs) What's the one reason? What is the number one? Reason the Lions won that game Sunday against the Vikings. My stomach's grumbling. I haven't seen my parents in a month. You're talking about I'm never going to eat another goldfish. I'm answering Jared Goff. I have to. I'm hooked up to a lie detector, guys. I can't. There's nothing. I got to go with what my gut's telling me. Jared Goff. And I'm aware. I pride myself on self-awareness. That I made a video, I believe last week, talking about how about Lamar Jackson in Detroit? He's riding scooters. That'd be pretty fun. And it, I mean, come on. <laughs> Talk about a hoot and a holler. That'd be three of them. But I don't know if you can stray away from Jared Goff. I, I, We'll see how these last four go for sure. I don't have any expectation of Jared Goff, even if we do lose one or two or however many, I don't have any expectation of Jared Goff being the reason. We saw earlier on just this year, Yeah, we were losing a lot of fucking games. It was never Jared Goff. uh, Maybe the Patriots, maybe the Cowboys, but everybody sucked in those games. Every single person sucked. Both of those games. Miami, I don't know if that's Goff. Eagles, that's not Goff. Bills, I don't know if that's Goff. Last Vikings game, I don't know if that's Goff. Like He's been pretty fucking good all year, so I have no reason to believe it's going to be any different these last four The dude, and you could say, oh, under pressure. Listen, the guy's been to a Super Bowl. I don't care what you want to say to qualify that. He's played in some pressure games this season. That Minnesota game, that wasn't just a walk in the park in the middle of August. That was a big-time fucking game. The Bills game, he played pretty well. That was a big-time fucking game. The Jags game last week, that was a big game. They're all big games right now, and he's played fucking well. I think you got to ride with him. I mean – The number of times and I get and his biggest knock, it bothers me too, right? I just like the least athletic guy I've seen in my life. I get it. I I really do. Like when he tries to run, it's like, dude, what the fuck is that? Like you, have you run before? Have you ran? Have you done this? I don't know what that is. Watch a movie, dude. Watch Forrest Gump. Like fucking something's wrong. I understand. But we don't need him to be that guy. I just talked about how good the offensive line's been. No reason for me to believe they'll stop. I don't think we need Jared Goff to be that guy. We don't need a scrambler. This guy, when he can set up shop in the pocket and step into a throw, this dude puts the money on the ball. Or should I say the ball on the money? (laughs) This guy's been making the reads. This guy's made some throws under pressure. Big third downs, third and nine, third and 10, third and 11. Every fucking person knows you're throwing the ball and he's made a way to work. I don't know how you could be of the opinion at this point that we need to figure out something else at QB, whether it's drafting one of these rookies, which you know how I feel about that, or going out and signing somebody like Lamar Jackson. I don't know. How you could feel any other way? Then we should probably keep Goff. Let's fucking run it back next year. Let's make these draft picks and add to the defense. Let's uh, get a couple of free agents wherever we need help, and let's run it the fuck back with Jared Goff. It all signs point that way. The dude has been big for the Detroit Lions, and we've had a couple of weeks. Look, Amon-Ra was a little banged up. Chark missed some time. <clears throat> we haven't had Jamison Williams till just now. There's been some weeks where, hey, Jared, you're not going to be working with the creme de la creme out there, and he still made it work. Now, I don't want to disrespect Brock Wright. Kalief Raymond had a big play. I mean, but still, I, you know those guys. You heard those names I just said. Ask somebody in Texas who they are. They'll have no fucking clue. Jared's figured it out. Ben Johnson and him, I don't know if we're sitting somewhere, we're like, Hey, Ben Johnson's the guy. Cause he's been fucking incredible as well. But whatever you got going, listen, dude, if it's not broken, please do not fix it. Please don't fix it because you really don't need to, when it comes to golf. And if you're familiar with people who cover the lions, Colton, uh, Colton Pouncey, shout out Colton, former athletic writer for MSU now writes for the lions. He was saying all off season long, Jared Goff and DJ Chark, this downfield connection, it's real. Jared Goff, DJ Chark, they're fucking causing problems in training camp in the open scrimmages. DJ Chark, Jared Goff, just wait. He was saying that. He was writing it. jared I mean, DJ Chark, he's been in and out, right? Hasn't really been able to get in a rhythm. But you saw it a little bit last week against the Jags. He had a big game. And you definitely saw it against the Vikings this week. DJ Chark and Jared Goff, they hit on a deep ball for six. DJ Chark and Jared Goff, crucial third down, there's his man. Jared Goff was putting the ball on time where it needed to be. DJ Chark says, run it open all fucking day. That's why you brought a guy like that in. And that connection is starting to come to fruition. We haven't seen that for most of this year, and Jared Goff's been good. If you're going to go into the draft and get one of these guys, it's such a fucking toss-up, man. It is such a toss-up. Because a few things. And we've seen these things to be true. A, even though the quarterback is the most important position, listen, you can be the nastiest dude anyone's ever seen. If you don't have an offensive line, if you don't have wide receivers that are getting open, if you don't have some semblance of a run game, it's going to get tough in a hurry for you. And that's true for anybody, let alone a guy who's 21 22 years old, who's only ever played at Alabama or at Ohio State, where they have the best offensive line, they have the best run game, they have the best wide receivers, it's going to get fucking real in a hurry when you go somewhere as the third overall pick and, oh, shit. I don't have any time on third down. Oh, shit. We run it twice and it's third and eight. Oh, shit. My receivers are never open. It's going to get real in a hurry. And even quarterbacks that are can't miss guys, guaranteed this dude, he's a franchise changer. Trevor Lawrence, he was that guy. He's in Jacksonville. What do they got, four wins right now, five wins? They haven't really done anything since he got there, and I'm not saying you know it's Trevor Lawrence's fault or he's been bad, but I'd say it's probably more a product of his situation. He went from Clemson, some loaded fucking teams, To working with the Jacksonville Jaguars. To playing on a team where his offensive line isn't the best. Lions got after him. Playing on a team where they don't run the ball at well. Playing on the team where Christian Kirk is his best option. A little bit different. And all of a sudden, Trevor Lawrence isn't the one guy that can change everything for you. And even when they are these can't-miss guys, or they have been pretty good, like Trevor Lawrence, it's still... You know, it's not a guarantee. Nothing about it. And when they haven't been like Trevor Lawrence, what are the odds on hitting on first-round draft picks, Chicago Bears? Quarterbacks, that is. What are the – Josh Rosen. Kyler Murray, uh, he's nasty. I get it. They haven't done anything. Even my guy, Lamar, in Baltimore. Yeah, they've made the playoffs a few times, so fair enough. That is something, at least in my eyes. They haven't won a Super Bowl, and he's been on some good teams there. Smack Jones guy, he was it last year, and now the Patriots can't do shit. Pat Mahomes anomaly, right? He was, what, the 15th pick? Nobody was going, this Patrick Mahomes guy. It's a crapshoot is my point. And when you got something that you know works and you have this Rams pick, hopefully it stays in the top 10. Still can't believe Baker won that fucking game. You've got a chance to add an elite talent somewhere. And you know the quarterback situation was pretty good. Far, far, far from the problem the season prior, and that same dude's coming back. It seems a little greedy to go out and say, no, let's get this kid out of Ohio State and fucking turn this thing on. When you could add this guy out of Georgia who's a menace in the middle of the defensive line. You could add this dude at Alabama who makes 70 tackles a game. From the linebacker position, it feels greedy for us to be like, "What? Well, well, just add fucking Bryce Young and watch what happens." It feels greedy. And on the flip side, probably the more obvious thing in free agency, as great as it would be to get a guy like Lamar, and it would be worth. You think you're excited now? Can you imagine? It's tough, you know, justifying going. Let's give fifty million dollars to one player. Hopefully, he doesn't get hurt. And hopefully he's still really good. And hopefully everybody else on the team is good enough to make him really good. It, that's tough to justify. Because like we just said, you can add $50 million. You can add some people. You can add some fucking guys, 50 mil. You can add some difference makers at other positions. You're doing what the year before with Jared guff are six and seven four winnable games ahead with a chance to make the playoffs. Who knows if we get there, but How about we add defensive linemen? How about we add five picks in the top 65 and, I don't know, three free agents? How about we add eight guys who are going to come in and improve our team everywhere else immediately? Let's see what happens then. Because we know Jared Goff wasn't the problem. Let's see what happens when every single thing else gets better. I think that has to be the play right now for the Lions. Dude, Jared Goff's been incredible. Unbelievable game for him on Sunday. I'm happy for him, man. After getting tossed to the curb by McVay and coming to Detroit when Dan Campbell did. And obviously they were doing at the time and they still have been doing, rightfully so. They're proving themselves right. Or Jared's proving them right, I should say. They've been doing the whole Jared's our guy routine. No, we like Jared at quarterback. We haven't thought about making moves at quarterback. They've had his back. I feel really good for Jared Goff that he's kind of proved them right. He's proved himself right. Kind of a fuck you to McVeigh. I'm sure. I'm sure he's happy that they stink and the Lions are surging. I'm sure he, his parents have talked to him about that. I'm sure he's had a laugh with a few friends. And he proved Dan Campbell right, and he proved Brad Holmes right. Those guys had his fucking back. Those guys believed that after last year we won three games. People wanted us to take a QB last year. They said, no, no, we're, we're not going to do that. We like Jared. He's our guy. We know we won three games. This guy can get it done. They fucking stood on their word, and it's paying off. It makes me feel really good for Jared, Dan Campbell, and Brad Holmes, man. Like, that's tough. We talked about it, I think, a little bit with um, MSU. It's tough. And even with Michigan and Jim Harbaugh and Ward Manuel, as much as I can't stand that guy. Look, people at Michigan wanted Jim fired. Don't act like you didn't. Two years ago after the COVID season, people were like, please go to the NFL. Please go to the NFL. People wanted the Iowa State head coach. People were talking about, what about Ferris' coach? People wanted Jim out. Ward Manuel stuck by him. U of M stood by him. Back-to-back playoff appearances. That's fucking tough to do. When the world is telling you you're crazy, for you to look back and go, no, I'm not, just wait and see, that's a tough thing to do. And it's come to fruition for the Lions. Unbelievable thing. Happy for Goff. Happy for Dan. Happy for Brad. Happy for fucking Sheila. I mean, how's she feeling right now? The ownership has been nothing but... I don't want to say the ownership's been bad because Ford Field's sick. I know the Lions have great facilities, so they have invested the money. But the Ford, the ownership, as far as results on the field, have been nothing but disappointing. And they've heard it. It's been years. People talk about the Fords. rip on the Ford, sell the team. Been years of it, decades. She's got to be feeling pretty fucking good. Like, did I? We did it. We got the right guy. This Jared Goff, he's the man for the job. They all got to be feeling good. So, round of applause to everybody. All right. Man, I fucking, Goff has been unreal. Because I was a little shaky on him too coming in. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't dead sold on Jared Goff. I wasn't screaming, we got to get rid of him. But I wasn't like, Jared Goff, wait and see. And boy, has he proved me wrong. This defensive line, we got to talk about them next. We do. Um, Aiden Hutchinson has been maybe the steal of the draft at second overall, which is, you know you're a fucking tank when someone says that about you. Maybe I'm wrong, right? Maybe Sauce Gardner. Okay. Maybe that defensive back in Seattle. All right, fine. You know, there's arguments to be made, I'm sure. But when that's a conversation, yeah, I think the second pick might be the steal. Just the fact that a team took one guy before him, that's a steal. When you're playing at that level, you are fucking killing it, and Aiden Hutchinson has been a menace. I swear I was watching him a little more closely Sunday just because – You know, I'm watching him. You see the highlights. Like, look what Aiden Hutchinson does here. You see that shit on Twitter. I was watching him more closely just because I wanted to see, like, what is Hutch's life like for a full 60 minutes? I swear he, he, I think, went one and a half sacks, I think, for Hutch. Um, I swear he got to Kirk Cousins like 10 different times. It felt like either him, James Houston, or a blitzing linebacker were hitting Kirk like every single time he threw the ball, honestly. And when that didn't happen, the plays where Hutch isn't in the backfield or Kirk has some time, there's like two, three guys on Hutch. This dude has been a difference maker up front for the Lions. And all the other guys have been real good. Aleem McNeil has been great all season. Isaiah Bugs has been awesome in the run game. Huge fucking play to force that fumble. He's been great. Comiskey, I think, has been pretty fucking good. James Houston has come on the last few games. We finally got Zach Pasco in there. I think he's been playing pretty well. But Aiden Hutchinson is popping. He's a guy who it feels like he's around the ball a lot. And I love, I love a guy who's around the ball. All my favorite players at State, Joe Bocci, Riley Bulla in those golden years, Darian Harris, John Reschke that one year. All the great linebackers State's had. Those guys are just around, always. Antoine Simmons, just fucking near the play. Every single play, it seems like. And when they're not, it's because the offense has dedicated 25% of their guys to go block them. He's been huge. We said it before the season. I thought coming in that the difference, or, yeah, I guess the difference for the Lions between like a so-so or even subpar season and, I don't know, 500 to maybe making the playoffs, was how good is Aiden Hutchinson going to be? Because that's the number one thing we were missing last year. It's the number one ingredient to a good defense. You, you get after him. And you can get after him with only rushing four or five. That's the number one ingredient to an elite defense. You can have the nicest secondary in the game, dude. You can have a brainiac at defensive co- or coordinator. If that other quarterback sits back there all day, you're going to get torched. And I don't even care who it is. We saw Mitch Trubisky do it to us how many times? Mitch Trubisky... He just, he's sitting there like they don't even come close to me. I know I'm not great, but this is fucking easy. I'm still a pro. And the Lions now, we get after the QB. We make it tough. The reason we get stops is because on those third downs, there's fucking stuff happening in the backfield. We've gotten better at stopping the run, defensive line, keeping the linebackers clean, shedding blocks. Dalvin Cook, we talked about him, didn't do shit. It's a direct result of our defensive line dominating. And again, Brad Holmes got it right. Again, there were a lot of people didn't want Hutch. He's hyped up because of the Michigan thing. He's undersized. He's not strong enough. A lot of people didn't want Hutch. A lot of people. Mike Valeni was talking shit about Hutch two, three games in. Like, the guy's a bust. He's not doing anything. I'm sure Mike has eaten his words by this point. He'd be foolish not to. I even said it early on. First couple games, I wasn't any. Listen, anybody who was calling Hutch a bust at that point is an idiot. Right? They're, you're just an idiot. There's nothing you can say to them. But I was even the first couple games going, look, you know, I'm never going to use the bust word in year one, but Hutch, I'd, it'd be cool if you a little bit more. It'd be cool if I noticed you more than that uh, once a game. It'd be cool if there were a couple plays that Hutchinson made. You know, it would. I wouldn't hate it. I was kind of waiting for him to get there, and he's turned it on, and the defense has benefited from it immensely. The secondary, we've been talking about Okuda and his resurgence. Dude, direct correlation. Getting pressure on the QB. Jeff Okuda's life is way fucking easier, man. Part of him being locked down at Ohio State was – Chase Young rushed the quarterback when he played. (laughs) Like, Okuda was nasty. Okuda's tough to get open on. Chase Young's in the backfield every time the other team fucking throws it. Oruwarie playing better. Jerry Jacobs has come on. Kirby Joseph has been a big story this year. I'm sure they've all been great. I'm sure they've done a hell of a job fucking reading offenses and studying film and getting the defense down. They're all benefactors of a guy like Aiden Hutchinson. One guy, one guy, one difference maker at one position can make every single other player on the field that much better. And we got a guy at a key fucking spot, at the most key spot on a defense. You imagine we add Jalen Carter in the draft. I don't know who's going to be a free agent, but you imagine we go get a big-time pass rusher. Come on. Come on. And we already got other guys. <sighs> back to Brad Holmes, back to Dan Campbell. They talked about we're going to win the game up front, and they're winning the game up front. This isn't even supposed to be a year that the Lions like do the thing. This was never supposed to be the year the Lions make the playoffs. This wasn't supposed to be a year we win 10 games. Look, this probably wasn't supposed to be a year where we are in the position we are in meaningful football in December. This wasn't supposed to be that year. Coming in, it was like, yeah, let's see. Let's be better. Let's be competitive. Let's see some stuff from the rookies. We're a year away. Next year, we'll worry about the playoffs. This wasn't supposed to be the year. This things ahead of schedule. It's things moving. These guys are hitting on players at the right spots late in the draft, finding free agents that work, relying on their guys and their guys backing them up. It's fucking working. DJ Chark. Let's give him some off, can we? First, a big game against the Jags last week against his old team. But first game where it felt like thank God we have DJ Chark against Minnesota Sunday. He was unfucking real. That touchdown, dude. <laughs> that touchdown is just um I'm gonna run straight. You're too slow. All right, cool. That's a touchdown. That's easy. Give me that guy in the lineup every week. Healthy. That was easy. Fucking third downs, intermediate routes. He had sticky hands, made a couple real nice catches. Just another option. Like, it's similar to the defensive line, dude. If DJ Chark's cooking, Amon Ra's going to get more looks. Amon Ra's cooking, Jamison Williams is going to get some looks. Like, you keep adding weapons to Jamison Williams. One catch. He does what the thing that was – How do I say this? He did, (laughs) on that touchdown, he did the one thing that convinced Brad Holmes to bring him here. Lined up in the slot (laughs) and ran a fucking diagonal fade. Tried to occupy the safeties and the safeties weren't interested. He's in the end zone for six points. First reception of his NFL career. Like, it is quite literally all coming together by design. That play that Jamison Williams scored on, go look at his Alabama highlight tape. Fucking every play looks like that. Jamison in the slot. Look, Jamison, we need you to just run off to safety here. Sorry, buddy. And he's just so much fucking faster, or in this case, Minnesota just blows the coverage, that he's in the end zone. He's supposed to be a runoff. He's supposed to be a distraction, and he's getting you six points. How about that? You add that in, what are they going to do with DJ Chark? You're not going to double him. DJ Chark's too good for one-on-one. You put your number one corner on him, fine. Almon Ra's too good for your second. And just wait till we put him in the slot. Oh, and by the way, maybe you use your best two on them. Jamison Williams is going to be a fucking problem. If you didn't notice off the one plate, he's going to be a problem for defenses. And we haven't even seen him get into, all right, Jamison, here's a slant. What can you do? We haven't seen, all right, Jamison, here's a screen. Let's see it. We haven't seen Jamison, here's any route that isn't a fucking dead fade that's probably just a distraction. We haven't seen anything out of Jamison. And he's already making an impact. Another, just Brad Holmes again, dude. Again. This guy's coming back healthy. We're adding a lethal weapon to our offense in winning time, in the last quarter of the season, in December Oh, you've seen all that film. You know how we like to score. Oh, by the way, we're about to add one of the fastest guys in the entire league. Oh, by the way, we're going to add maybe, maybe our best weapon. We've been scoring points without him, dude. It's been pretty, we've scored points pretty easily without him. And now we're bringing him in. Good luck, New York Jets. Good luck, Green Bay. Good luck, Chicago. Good luck, Carolina. Good luck. Jared Goff's playing the way he is. He's reading defenses, getting rid of the ball on time, putting it where it needs to be. Good luck. You stop those three guys, hats off. And the run game, fucking hats off. That's You must have an unbelievable defense. Because I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't. Last but not least, I'm proud of Dan Campbell. A guy who took some flack. Earlier in the year, it's taken flack really since he got to Detroit just because he is such, like, the dude. You know what I mean? He's not a brainiac. He's not talking X and O's. He's talking about kneecaps and saying the word man. Taking all kinds of flack since he got to Detroit. And he had a couple hiccups early on, not really getting how the timeout thing works. Sending out the field goal unit when he definitely shouldn't be going for it, when he definitely shouldn't be punting, when maybe he should be going for it. He's had some moments this year where it's like, Dan, Dan, I love you. I want it to work, Dan, but you're fucking, it's like I'm defending a murder client and he just said I murdered him. It's you're making it tough, Dan. And he redeemed himself. The timeout usage was great. The game management at the end of the first half was great. The game management down the stretch in the fourth quarter was brilliant. That fake punt was so fucking ballsy and it worked, swayed the momentum of the game. He's running the ball when we should be running the ball. We're throwing it when we should be throwing it. We're keeping the foot on the gas when it counts. And I don't know who that comes from. I don't know if that's Aaron Glenn and Ben Johnson on their own deciding, no, no, no. We're not easing up. We're going to keep this thing going like it's 0-0. I don't know if it's Dan Campbell coming over the headset going, listen, guys, I don't give a fuck. Foot on the gas. We're not losing this one for a lack of trying. We are going to score more. We will not let them score, win the fucking game. It's not about, all right, well, if we – let's play a little conservative and then we get it with this time, run it twice. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Call the game like we we need to win it. Call the game like we're behind. And it fucking worked. Hats off to Dan, dude. Hats off and these guys play for him. They fucking love Pene Sewell after the game in the tunnel. He goes, listen – or no, maybe he was his presser at the locker – they asked him about the fake pun. He goes, Dan Campbell's got some big fucking nuts on him, man, and that's why I love playing for him. The guys love it. You think they're not happy to win for Dan Campbell? They're happy to win for themselves and all that shit. They're a little more happy because they get to win for that guy. I'm telling you. It's good to see Dan Campbell kind of redeem himself. Ben Johnson, fucking incredible. I played a Pene suhole. <laughs> I had some shit that – It sucks that we used it because, you know, that one's probably got to go away for a while. But what a fucking masterpiece of a play. He's been so good this year, and it sucks that teams are going to come calling. It sucks that someone's going to try and take him away from us because he's been incredible. And I'm sure we talked about golf. I'm sure he's a beneficiary. Ben Johnson, that play to Pene Sewell. Are you fucking kidding me? to ice the game at home, you are never, you are never going to hear the end of it if it doesn't work. And it fucking works to perfection, to Penny Sewell, to your right tackle. Are you kidding me, Ben Johnson? Are you kidding me, man? Aaron Glenn turning up the heat. We're blitzing. We stopped the run. Kirk Cousins plays the game of his life. Justin Jefferson has two twenty-eight and we still hold them to 23. I'll take that. Come on, man. The coaching staff was excellent. We outcoached Minnesota, plain and simple. We outplayed them, and we outcoached them. Kevin Connolly tried the funny shit. He tried the Dalvin Cook fake handoff, Dalvin Cook jump pass. He fumbled it, cost him maybe seven points. We got funny. We were, put Pene Sewell in motion, threw it to him in the flat, and it fucking worked. God damn, dude. Every single thing about that game was, was a work of art. Every single thing about that game was what we've all been waiting for for God knows how long. It was unreal to watch play out. I can't wait for the Jets. I'll tell you that. I cannot wait for this game Sunday. You thought the momentum was high. You thought the energy had risen coming into Minnesota, you fucking wait until we go to the Meadowlands Sunday. I can't wait. I wish they played that game today. I wish they played it tomorrow. I wish they played it the day after that. I can't wait. I got full faith we're winning this game. Because guess what? We didn't come this far to lose now. I got full. I know the Jets are pretty good. What are they? Seven and six? Eight and seven? I don't know. What are they? Let me look it up. I know they're a pretty good team. Dan Campbell said in the locker room, that's a physical team we got over there, man. I get it. I know, you know, they're feeling good about themselves. Similar situation. Early rebuild, a lot of young guys. They still got a chance at the playoffs. I get it. I got full fucking faith that we're going to go in there and do the same thing we just did to Minnesota. Run the ball. Jared Goff's going to make plays. Our offensive line's going to abuse them. We're going to get after Mike White or Zach Wilson or whoever the fuck plays quarterback for him. We're going to stop their run game. Garrett Wilson, fine. He might have some yardage. It's not going to be enough. I can't wait. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Hope you have a wonderful fucking week. I think I'm going to do an extra episode tomorrow and do MSU football, and then we'll be back Thursday on the more Detroit stuff. Um, check out the secondstring.com. We got some new shit coming out. Michigan fans, the back-to-back Big Ten champs design is nearly ready so keep an eye out for that i can't promise it'll be there in time for christmas but who fucking cares that's how nice it looks i i just uh at the break i just took a peek at the design and (laughs) made me feel pretty good so keep your eye out for that the second string.com appreciate you guys thanks for all the support love everyone who listens hopefully you have a wonderful week we'll see you tomorrow